2: hey everybody welcome back to another episode of podcast on fifth ab we have a special treat for you today in our second segment Derek army head coach of the wheeling nailers is going to be joining us so make sure you stick around for that but first we obviously have to cover some excellent goaltending that we've been watching because holy crap has tristan jari just been playing out of his mind unbelievable recently the not just the amount of goals that he you know hasn't given up but the saves that he's making he looks like a completely different person than the guy that we were watching in i don't know april may whenever that hellish nightmare was what is up with him how much can we contribute or how much can we attribute his success to him and his season regimen and this new goaltending coach what's up with Tristan Jari Taylor fill us in
3: yeah I mean every you know game he plays he's having a you know lately he's having a good game and if I've asked you know whoever whatever player talks just like what have you seen from Jari in this stretch that has allowed him to have this kind of success because you know the shutouts he's putting up and mm-hmm. Every single player, Sullivan, when I've asked that, um, they start out with just saying, like, he's confident. Uh, you can see it. Um, just, yeah, just his, his attitude. And when we talked to, to Jari about that in New York, he uh, really did attribute uh, Andy Kyoto with, with helping him with that. He said just making sure he's going into the games and the right mindset. And I think Jari, I think, has always been uh, pretty good at, not letting the highs get too high and the lows get too low. I remember, you know, after the game five, when he let in, when when he turned the puck over the, the big flub, when he talked the next day, he was very even keel. And I think that was maybe off-putting to some fans because I think they see that need. They think he doesn't care or whatever. But, it, you know, his attitude after, you know, an awful game like that, at least in talking to us, is exactly the same as it was after, you know, the Islanders when he puts up you know his third shutout in what was it five games yeah so I think he's always been good at not because uh, as a goalie you really can't afford to you know get too hung up on the wins or too down after the losses I think he's always been pretty good at that but he did say that you know Kyoto has really just helped him uh, making sure he's going into these games with the right mindset and that's
1: helped his confidence and, and that's, that shutout you yeah. against oh sorry Jordan go ahead no go 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 go. <laughs> I see, and that shutout against the Islanders too. I mean, yes, it was a different team. Yes, they're missing pieces. Yes, it's in a new arena on Long Island, or technically in New York. Still, well, it's still on. It's not. Yeah. It's not on Long Island. It's in. Is it Queens or Brooklyn? Whatever. Wherever. Yeah. Whatever borough it's. <laughs> I don't know in. where I was. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Whatever borough it's in, but I think that kind of exercised some demons for him because mm-hmm. that's kind of like. I don't want to compare it to like getting closure in a relationship, but like that's a little Mm -hmm. bit of closure where it's like, all right, I can close the book completely on that chapter. I can move forward. And we're seeing that from him. You're seeing him keep things so simple. And I think Mm -hmm. that really, I, I, I mean, I'd be intrigued to know how much of that is contributing, is contributed by Kyoto and how much of it impact he's making, but you're seeing him just like, not try to do too much, not try and, you know, make the outrageous save, just get, stop the puck. That's really what you're seeing him do. And I think that is a lot of where his confidence is stemming from mm-hmm. because you're seeing a lot of growth in him from, you know, where he was last playoffs. And, you know, we heard him kind of talk about the fact that, you know, he really, Wanted to come back this season and prove to the organization, like, "Hey, I'm your guy. I'm going to do that." We heard them have a lot of confidence in him. I just remember, like, the exit interviews and the times that we would mm-hmm. speak with Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. You know, they have a lot of confidence in him. But now you're seeing him have this confidence in himself and the numbers and the performances to back it up.
3: It was funny yeah. you you mentioned like the Islanders series and like exercising those demons. You know, Gensel comes in and Gensel's like, "Yeah, you can tell this meant a lot to him," but. Jari was like, he he must have a really good poker face or, or what. Because, you know, he was asked, um, you know, like, of these three shutouts, you know, could, does this one, you know, maybe mean the most to you? Like, not really specifically saying that, but he's like, it's just another game and the team was really good in front of me. And then I asked, you know, outright, I said, given the way last season ended, do you get any extra satisfaction in putting a performance like this against the Islanders? And he's like, no, nope, just another game, you know, just – <laughs> just try to play my best, get better every day. And it's like, okay. Um, Jar is just so even keel. And he never really says anything that interesting, I think, as a result, because he doesn't get too high or too low, but he's always just the um, same attitude. And I think that's helping him.
2: And I think that's what makes the, the great goaltenders great is that they, like you said, th- It's it's really all about confidence for goaltenders. Like that you need obviously the physical ability. And we always knew the physical ability was there with Tristan Jari because we saw it. And we we knew that his puck handling skills were just like off the charts. But last year Jenna, you mentioned this, like he was just trying to do too much, I think, like, and especially in particular when it came to puck handling, like Game 5. Like you mentioned, Taylor, that what in the world? Like it just seemed like he was so not in the moment because he was trying to think like 20 steps ahead and make something specific happen and force something that just wasn't there. He,
3: he had a moment that... I want to say it was that series where I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head if it led to a goal or if it just led to him like having to scramble to make a save where mm-hmm. it looked like he was trying to score. Like mm-hmm. the puck came to him and I, can't, yep. I this was that series, I'm pretty sure, but the puck came yeah. to him and he grabbed it and instead of just like gloving it down, he, he, try, he put it down and it looked like he was trying to shoot, but then it kind of went awry. But yeah, yeah that's an example of just trying to do too much. Yeah,
2: Yeah, but it seems like he has learned his lesson. And honestly, you saying, you making that point about him kind of just like keeping the same composure regardless of what type of game he just played. It makes me wonder about Matt Murray, not to go down that rabbit hole, but just because like he he was excellent. He was playing so well. And then it seemed like he just got so hard on himself and then just like hyper focused on I suck like and it just spiraled so f- to have Tristan jari be playing the way that he's playing and just kind of like keep his head down and do exactly what he needs to do every single game and it you can tell that it helps the rest of the team play uh, with more confidence as well because they know that if they slip up he can he can and will. And has bailed them out, even though that that game um, a couple mm-hmm. nights ago in Calgary was a, atrocious. It was not not a good performance uh, by anybody but Tristan Jari. However, Jake Gensel continued his his point streak, which is the longest as as we're recording right now on Wednesday. It's the longest active streak in the league, and so having him heat up right now is also pretty critical because he like with the the departure of Brian Rust and him being week to week now with that injury like we need we need the top line to be pumping it out and Jake's been doing that he's been scoring goals and getting points
3: yeah and guess what he did have a slower start to the season so to see him turn this around and then what Evan Rodriguez bumped up onto the onto the top line and Russ absence I feel like we talk about Evan Rodriguez every single podcast. Uh-huh. Probably Jennifer chiming chime in there, but he's just been outstanding <laughs> too. <laughs>
1: He has. And I think just like, again, I feel like this is all you can kind of attribute all of these to confidence and not like any of these guys need confidence. But when you have the confidence in your netminder as a forward, you're a little able to play a little more loose. You're able to kind of have a little more. Okay, you know, we can try this and we can push a little bit more because we know if, God forbid, we do turn the puck over. Or if this play does go awry, that we'll be able to get back and he'll be able to have. Um, our backs in that but again you know it's kind of like vice versa your goalie is giving you confidence as a forward but if you're a yeah. guy like Gensel and Rodriguez who's scoring at the pace that they are you're giving your goalie mm-hmm. and the rest of your team confidence too
3: yeah and even you know Jari he struggled obviously in the shootout early on they did lose that game in Calgary in the shootout but it was he but he was good mm-hmm. uh, it went what seven rounds he only yeah. let in two goals um, mm-hmm. Which is still, I mean, he didn't get the win, but a complete turnaround from what we saw yeah. from him early on. So even, you know, those shootout demons seems like he's gotten rid of mm-hmm. um, those. Yeah, a lot of positive things all around. I do want to mention Dayton Heinen, number three star in New York. Um, yeah. Accidentally. <laughs> like, yeah. They're announcing, you know, the three stars were, were down there. We're waiting for the press conferences to start. Now, obviously, New York, Jari, number one star. Ilya Sorokin only led in the only goal of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. He was number two star. Kapanen, the only goal scorer of that game, but for the the three stars, Dayton Heinen. If you look at his stat line, it's straight zeros. Like eight, no hits, no like takeaways, no no anything. And it was like eight minutes of ice time. And we're like, what? But he wears um, him and Kapanen are one number off, forty three and forty two. So someone made a mistake but I just thought it was so funny that you know um Kapanen it doesn't even get the number three stars give it to Dan Heinen Kapanen did get the helmet that game at least but um congratulations to Dan Heinen the number three excellent
2: star. excellent game yeah number three star on the on the board number one star in our hearts <laughs> Love us, Dan Heinen. why don't we take a break we'll be right back And we are back, and we're joined by head coach of the Wheeling Nailers, Derek Army. Derek, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's a, a nice day here in Wheeling, so I'm happy to be on.
2: Awesome! Thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us a little bit about how your season's going so far. What are your impressions of the team?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, our season's going well so far. We've uh, we're eight and six, and it's one of those where, as a coach, you're happy because I think any of the games. Aside from maybe one, we could have won. You know, we we have a chance to win every game, and it's uh, you know that's a good sign. We've had a, a little bit more adversity than maybe I'd like, with uh, some sickness and some uh, injuries and uh, that kind of thing, some call ups and send downs. But it, it's part of the you know the part of the business and part of the ECHL. So it's one that I think I've been happy and proud of the guys for um, you know continuing to battle and find ways to to win no matter what.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, you've been you've been doing really well, and it's a weird time to you know, be doing anything in the sports world with all of the different protocols and regulations that you're still trying to figure out and adjust to and, and all that. But this is your second year as head coach. So what have you learned in this role, especially handling all of the other responsibilities, like being the GM of the team and all of that other offs off the ice stuff?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's one, I think for, you know, I was able to learn as a player, like kind of what, you know, you see in the league and, you know, my time in the AHL and through the organization you learn, but um, it wasn't until I became an assistant in Worcester that I kind of really was able to take the, this side to the next level and take in, you know, just the lessons of, you know, you got to factor in guys traveling in, you got to factor in, you know, being ready for that, you know, that random call up that maybe you didn't expect. And all of a sudden you're like, I need to have preparation of a, of a, you know, our maybe a, a guy you didn't wouldn't expect to be playing all of a sudden he has to be prepared. Cause your best players is getting called up. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they're not taking your worst player. So um, mm-hmm. it's one of those that you're just always prepared. And I think you have to have, so for us, you know, you work on your power play and you, you typically in the NHL, you have, I mean, you know who your power play is. And for us, it's one of those where I want to make sure that every guy can be plugged into the power play. Every guy's ready if that time comes. And so that's just kind of the preparation and, balancing salary and all that stuff so there's a, there's a lot that goes into it but um, fortunately there's uh, a lot of years of experience here
3: speaking of uh, call-ups I mean you've had a, a lot more guys who have had AHL experience or our NHL draft picks and uh, we're recording on Wednesday I know Almeida and Riley just got called up and Almeida's you know short time down there uh, just what were your impressions of him I mean he had that, that four goal game that right before he got called up just what have you seen from him
0: yeah, it's one. I think for him, um, he's kind of been a guy who in the organization's been in. This is third year now, and um, I think he's still trying to kind of find himself as a pro. And and you look at a lot of the college guys who come out there, you know, they're already coming out of college at twenty three to at the early at the you know the earliest of ages to twenty six, so they're hitting the prime. Whereas a guy like him, who he's I think he's 22, 23 now, so you know they're still maturing to do for him as a person and as a player. And I think it's it's one of those that. You know, I think every organization would love to say, hey, it's a rush where, you know, let's rush him, but it, it takes time. And for him, he's really getting his confidence. And I think it was good this time to come down and, uh, you know, for these past two times is he's really been able to play hockey. And I think kind of get back to what he loves and have fun playing hockey and see what, you know, works for him. And um, for him, he's really taken to it. We've had him with some good players and he's kind of just gotten that play. Oh, I've gotten to play again. And maybe that's something that gives a guy confidence in the American League level. And you see the same thing with a guy like Will Riley, who came down is playing penalty kill, power play, and maybe not the same minutes he's playing at Wilkes-Barre, but it's important for his development. And, and you know, if the pit wants to see him grow and develop as a player, it's very important for him.
3: And then a uh, guy who's still down there, Josh Maniscalco, not someone we really got to see a whole lot in Wilkes-Barre. He really just kind of spent the whole season practicing. Now that he's actually gotten to play some games, just what have been your impressions of him in his season?
0: Yeah, he's very, you know, he's very skilled. He's a smart hockey player. Um, He gets, you know, he's a good power play guy. We have him, I think his, you know, his knock maybe was his defensive side of the game needed to improve. And that's one I think you can only improve, you know, as much as practice does, it's only, you can only improve in a game. And for us, you know, we've got him killing big penalties. We've got him playing five on six. And I think you're starting to see it you know, his improvement, it's one that, you know, we spend a lot of time on video and, you know, he gets to see, okay, this is what I have to do differently. And, you know, it's, you know, here that he's going to be able to put maybe some of the try things or just, you know, experience things that when he gets to Wilkesbury, he's like, okay, now I've seen this before. I can play in this situation, be confident in this situation. And then, you know, from there, hopefully take off.
3: Uh, and then Alex Dorio, he did just get the call up to wilkes too. But I mean, he, he he finished the season last year really as wilkes starter, and then he does get uh, sent down to Wheeling to start. Just uh, what were your observations of how he handled that? Obviously, he probably would have liked to be in wilkes <laughs> but yeah, what were your impressions of how he handled that and just what you saw from him uh, before he got this call up?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a goal, a lot of the. A goalies aspect is confidence is you know how they're feeling and um, you know if they're feeling good or if they're feeling down and, and fortunately for us Pittsburgh I think has really put an investment in on goaltending and um, they have a we have a guy Charles Grant um, who's our goalie coach at our level and so he, you know they spend a lot of time with every goalie in its sense of making sure they're a prospect I mean you saw it with Casey Dismiss so no one's out of the realm Of possibility of being a penguin. And for him, Alex, I think was disappointed to come down, but it was one that, and unfortunately he had a a spur of things. He had an ear infection in Wilkes camp. He had, uh, he got uh, sick. He got the flu before his first start here. He, you know, had some bumps and bruises along the way and all of a sudden. So now all of a sudden he's looking at his game like, Oh, I'm behind the eight ball. And thankfully we had Chuck Grant to work with him. And then it's just from my aspect is, Hey, I believe in you. Like, you know, as a coach, that's all you have is, take the net and I believe in you. And I think that's one guys on the team really took to him because, Hey, he started to feel confident. He started to feel good and he had a few really good games. And, um, you know, I think he was happy and I think he was excited, obviously to go up, but one now where he knows, okay, I'm happy with my game. I'm happy to go up and now it's my turn to maybe take the net.
3: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned Casey to Smith. I, I think you're, when you played in Wheeling, was that Casey's first year um, and I think he, he didn't even play. He was the third goalie behind Foster and, and Frankie. Yes. Uh, he didn't get until like December. Are you able to like use that as, as maybe uh, an example of how, you know, just because it doesn't, it's not going the way you want wheeling. It doesn't, you know, you're not out of it.
0: Yeah. I think, I, I mean, for me, like I've seen a, a few different cases, like guys like that, but it's one for him is he was our third goalie. And he was a guy who, you know, you could tell there was some potential and, and they, they, they worked with him, but it was one I don't think anyone had any expectations of hey, he's gonna be in the you know Pittsburgh Penguins organization for a few years. And so it was one that I think I used to to especially for goalies is hey, you're never out of the woods. You may think you're down and out. You know, you look at Scott Darling, who was a you know wheeling nailer, is is you just never know. Well, you never know when your break's coming. And that was my message to Doors when he came down was, you know, maybe your time, maybe it's next year, maybe it's in a few years, but you have to be prepared for that time. You prep for that next opportunity and, and open that door for the next opportunity. And I think, you know, that's something he's maybe taken pride in and, and, you know, I think guys goalies, especially in this organization, take pride in is, Hey, I could be the next Casey DeSmith.
3: Yeah, and then uh, another player I want to ask about, Shaw Boomhauer, not a guy on an NHL contract, but I know someone the Penguins fans are excited about from development camp, really just because of his name. Um, Probably the coolest name in the organization, but just what can you tell us about him as a player?
0: Yes, I I will specify right off the hop, great name. Absolutely (laughs) great name. Perfect for for a guy who's leading the ECHL in fights and in penalty minutes. Um, So he's a guy who, for us, is a great teammate. Um, He uh, Last year, took took a year off, but he's a guy similar to like Almeida. I think he's a, he's a 98 birth year, uh, Shaw is. So there's a lot of potential there for him. And it's, you know, he's got to get his puck touches. He's got to get, you know, his play time and get his reps up. But I think he's a guy who um, he can really skate. He's big. He's physical. He's not tall, but he's big. Like he's he's got a frame to him and he plays hard. He goes to the net. And that's a guy who um, I think he, you just never know what the ceiling is. As he continues to develop, you know, he's going to have to learn how to kill penalties and play a kind of a shutdown role. But he's a guy who he's playing a lot here. It's probably great for his development. And it's one that I I think you can't teach toughness today. And he's a guy who you don't have to teach that, too. So if that opportunity comes, which I think it will over the next few years, I think he's a great investment for this organization.
3: And then uh, last player I want to ask about, Casper Bjorkvist, not someone you've coached but someone you're familiar with just because of that Providence College uh, uh, connection. I know you're a a fan of him and his game. Just What what do you like about him?
0: Yeah, he's a guy who I think in college, um, you know, I don't know him before going to Providence, but he's a guy who learned, uh, you know, it's very structured at PC. It's very systematic. So he's a guy I think could plug in in any role he could be you know a top line guy he could be a fourth line in Pittsburgh and you could you would know exactly what you're going to get from he's going to be hard on pucks he's going to be strong on pucks he's going to go to the net he's going to be good on the forecheck. he's going to be detailed and some of the aspects that maybe you can't teach guys he has and he's a big he's a big strong kid and um I think he's a he's a guy that especially at that level with um You know, right now you've seen some of the guys like a a Kunakal or a Rowney or some of these guys come through who have been really consistent players and know the system. He's a guy who kind of fits that that build of maybe, you know, a guy you can plug and play anywhere.
1: Now, your dad, Tim, has quite a coaching resume. He just won his 100th game with the uh, Iowa Wild in the AHL. What impact has he had specifically on your coaching career? Do you guys talk at all in terms of, you know, getting some advice and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, growing up, uh, he was, my, you know, obviously I think, you know, he's my inspiration for, you know, getting into coaching. My brother and I both grew up watching him. And I think for me as a kid, I've always, my dream is, you know, I was the little kid at the rink and in the locker room with Taimou Solani or Paul Korea. And he was, you know, probably proud of me then. And so now I have my one-year-old and so I have a lot of pride and, you know, I have my one-year-old Boone in the locker room with me. So it kind of comes full circle, but in terms of coaching, he's you know, a guy I try to learn from, I was fortunate enough to play on, I don't know, five or six different AHL teams. So I, you know, always on a different, you know, with a different coach. And um, I try to write, you know, keep my notebook of you know, what I like, what I didn't like systems. Um, and I always, you know, open, you know, open mind to everything. I think that's the thing I learned most from him is as he's gotten older, he's continued to have an open mind to everything. He hasn't shut his mind off. So, you know, you see some guys who maybe it's all about feel. I don't care about analytics. Well, he, you know, he kind of, started reading a lot of books about analytics a few years ago. And then, you know, that kind of shows me, you know, he's like, Hey, you should get into this too. And it just shows the different aspects of, you know, how you're going to be a good coach. And I think he's been able to all these years learn and now, you know, really put it in, implement it in Iowa. Um, but it's one that I I for sure pick his brain on systems and we go over video and XOs and we go over the systems of one, two, two, and, you know, face-off plays and, um, I'm sure my mom gets a little annoyed with some of our dinners.
1: <laughs> say, probably the three of you around the table, maybe a couple more of you. It's the two of you going back and forth and everyone else is like, can we not, you yes. talk hockey talk for like thirty seconds.
0: Yeah, so I think my mom is she's she's like uh, enough's enough, guys. Let's let's talk something else. Let's talk about the lake. Let's talk about anything else, please.
1: <laughs> well, you kind of gave us a perfect transition there because we have to give the people what they want. You and Brandon Tanev um, played college together, college hockey together at Providence. What is the best Tanev story you have for us, especially um, Jordan? She's dying to know. Um, <laughs> On the edge of my seat. (laughs)
0: Um, There's some that I would have to tell off air, um, but (laughs) as I'm sure everyone knows, Tanny is, uh, you know, he's he's free to speak his mind. Um, But I mean, the thing I I think I remember most about Tanny was it was uh, his motor was always going like it was nonstop. It was five thirty in the morning for workouts and he was always chirping about something. Um, he was a very – I think there's one thing I'll take away from Tanny is he's very proud of his brother, very proud of his family. And um, so I remember watching his brother score his first NHL goal. So I texted him, and um, I think he uh, – oddly enough, he was always up a late night. But for this <laughs> instance, he was sound asleep for his brother's goal. And uh, just talking to him about it, you could tell, you know, obviously the next morning he was all juiced up about it. Um, that would be a more intimate story, I guess. But in terms of, you know, his – as a human um, – you know, whether it be we won the Mayor's Cup and he's posing with the, the, the just the cup, um, nothing on. Um, so, you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff from from Tanny. Um, he was a great time. He was a great teammate to have because he pushed everyone. But he was a lot of fun because he, he didn't shut up and he let you know it, whether it be sewer ball or um, you're playing a shootout. He made sure you knew he, he was the better player.
3: You've you've mentioned before when when I've talked to you that not, he's not a fan of uh, Boston sports and I, I think he used to bring it up just to rile him up.
0: Yes, yeah, so you. So he definitely grew at in college. There's a lot of Boston. You know, obviously in Providence, there's a lot of Boston people, and um, we had you know everyone loves the Patriots and the Red Sox. And so Tanny was very much adamant that those were not the good teams, and he <laughs> would go at it with everyone. So if you brought up you know, if you brought up the Patriots and kind of talked high about the Patriots, he would find a, a way to knock you down a peg. Um, <laughs> he he didn't like the Boston sports. That's for sure. So I don't know. Hopefully he doesn't play for the Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh my goodness. That makes me love him somehow even more because I'm obviously born and bred in Pittsburgh, but not, not a fan. Nope. No, thank you. Shut that's up. It's okay to be not a fan. Yep. (laughs) Well, Derek, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show with us and talk about how uh, Wheeling's doing, how your coaching career has been, and then obviously share some stories about uh, the love of my life, Brandon Um, (laughs) Tanner. We appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you guys for having me.
2: Yeah, we will be right back. And we are back. Thanks once again to Derek Army for joining us on this episode. It was such a blast to talk to him and I just get to hang out for a little bit. There was other exciting news though, that was uh, announced and released out there into the Twitter sphere today. The Penguins have a new third Jersey for this year. And like we talked about before, we just keep manifesting things. Uh, if you need anything or want anything or just have preferences, let us know.
3: We'll make it happen. We got the Jeff Snoop Carter's, jerseys are
2: back. Yeah, yeah
3: Jeff Carter yeah. got his fruit snacks. We mm-hmm. I, the title of our last episode is "Bring Back the Snoop Jerseys." Only and jerseys. here they are. So yeah, any requests, we we'll manifest it and just mm-hmm. tweet it in.
2: But yeah, but those jerseys are like, I I was on the fence about them in particular just because I was so gung ho about Robo Penguin. And I think, I think a lot of people really want that to come back. But I also said, I'm pretty sure, as soon as they announce these third jerseys, I'm going to be all up in my feels about it. And I am, and they're beautiful, and I want 5 to 10 to 50 of them. Like the whole roster, just give it to me. They're so clean. Love it. Uh, what are your thoughts? Jenna, how do you feel about these jerseys now that they're uh, official?
1: Oh, I love them. I am like, I, we've talked about this too, but all of us, I feel like have just such a love for really nice, really good looking jerseys. And you can mm-hmm. go across sports. Like everyone always references like the Chargers powder blue, which is great color. Well, but these are, they're great. They're, I mm-hmm. mean- yeah, a little bit. Everybody's like, okay, bring back Robo Penguin. But if you're not gonna give us Robo Penguin, I'm like, you know what? I can settle with this. I'm totally fine. The nostalgia here is fantastic. I just, I mean, you love it. They're so fresh. They're so clean. It's gonna be a nice look. I think they're gonna wear them for September 11th. Yeah, for December
3: 11th, 12 games.
1: Twelve games, yeah. So honestly, like those matchups are going to be so fun. Give mm-hmm. me all the fun jersey matchups. I know they're playing the Sabers in one of them. So can we get like the Snoop Dogg oh. versus the Royal Blues and just have like a beautiful jersey matchup? That would be great.
3: Or the Capitals wearing their uh, their screaming eagle? Those are my oh favorite yes, ones. I yeah. love those. <laughs> oh, um, boy. Yeah, I love those. The yeah, happy to see the the diagonal one make a return. But
1: mm-hmm.
3: we're all talking about the Robo you know, logo, the verbal pigeon, yeah. triangle pigeon logo, that that jersey is supposed to have it on the shoulder patch. And that's really the only thing that's different about this from when they wore it in the 90s is that now the shoulder patch, it, it's the current logo minus the triangle in the back. But um, so I feel like, you know, if they deliberately replace the, the pigeon on this on this jersey, I feel like we're never going to see it come back. I don't mm. know. Maybe – so I, I've heard that, you know, Mario not – a fan of that logo because um, I mean it, it doesn't it's not really associated with anything good they changed to that um, after winning the two cups and yeah you know, before where they had that was really their best team of all time the 92-93 team in that logo and then they lose to the Islanders in, in the playoffs so a lot of bad memories associated with that switch to that logo but I don't know maybe new ownership maybe LeBron will like the logo we'll see it come back but LeBron yeah like, after seeing that, you know, left off of this, I was like, "We're we're just never going to see that logo come back." But mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe new ownership. But it's I don't know, it's hard to say because Mario is going to stay involved. So yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, cool to see those jerseys make a mm-hmm. comeback. They go on sale December eleventh, mm-hmm. uh, the eleventh through the fifteenth. You can buy it at Penn's Gear, and then from the sixteenth uh, on, you can buy it at Dick's and wherever else they sell jerseys. So um, yeah, yeah, it'll be cool to see those make a comeback.
2: Oh, for sure. And I have it in my calendar. I'm, I'm going to the game on the 11th. So I'm like going to have to get there with enough time to look around and just take <laughs> it all in and um, figure out what I'm going to do. And I only have a little over a week to budget for this. So <laughs> figure it out. But uh, yeah, they're they're super slick. And I can't wait to see um, see the guys take the ice in those jerseys. There, there were some other interesting things. There was a lot of aggression in hockey this past week. We Revision. saw um, some glove tossing, uh, some biting. There, there, there's just, it's been uh, free-for-all, kind of. I don't know if it was, like, the Thanksgiving spirit that had people um, kind of just, like, losing their minds. But, yeah, uh, Brendan Lemieux bit bit somebody. And Artemi and Chuck, Panarin yeah. threw his glove at uh, Brad was Mark it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't say I feel bad about that one, but <laughs> yeah, uh, so let's start with Brennan Lemieux, uh, Taylor. Give us the rundown, what was that?
3: Yeah, so I mean, he bit Kachuk. Uh, it was Lemieux on the Kings now, they're playing the Senators. Um, yeah, they just got into a little scuffle, and uh, Kachuk he came right up and he. You can't see the bite in, the, in at least the angles we saw on TV. But, um, yeah, his, his hand was, was in Lemieux's face. Lemieux uh, apparently bit him twice. Uh, and you can tell, I mean, from Kachuk's reaction right away. Very, you know, emotional reaction right away. And so Lemieux got suspended five games for that. Uh, I don't, it's hard to say what – there's really not much of a precedence for this. Um, yeah. Yeah, at least in recent years. Um, but what, it's him and his father are the first pair to be suspended in the NHL for biting. I can't imagine that's ever going to be a record that's broken unless <laughs> Brendan Lemieux has a son. Then, you know, I'd say watch out. Um, I, just on the I guess it runs in the family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I mean, um, oh, Lemieux crazy. and, and – Kachuk, their their dads have history, you know, because those guys have their, their sons right now, um, not a fan of each other. But you almost have to wonder, like, growing up, did they hear, like, their dads, you know, talking smack about each other because their dads have fought. Um, so I don't I don't know what – five games, it's hard to say. Again, not much of a precedence. I think I expected more. I think I expected maybe around eight. Um, yeah. I, again, it, yeah. it, normally when you see a suspension – if after something like egregious like this, you know, you want to like you know make an example of the player, but it's like no one bites anyone anyway. Like it's not like we need to get this out of the game. It's like <laughs> this never happens. Um, Kachuk, we were just laughing before we started, but so Kachuk he did. He was asked about it after, and he really kind of went on on a rant. Um, it was great, but but someone uh, paid Gilbert Gottfried in a cameo to read it. And it just turned into something hilarious. But um, hopefully we can dub that in here.
0: Takachuk didn't stop there either. It's outrageous. Kids don't even do that anymore. Babies do that. And I don't even know when he was uh, thinking. He's just a complete brickhead. He's got nothing up there. Bad guy, bad player, what a joke he is to Kachuk.
3: <sighs> um, yeah, but I mean, Kachuk, he said he's a hes a bad guy, a bad player, what a joke he is. He called him a complete brickhead, which, what a descriptor. I love that. I'm going to um, have to
2: use that and find find ways to bring that application to real life. Brickhead.
3: Yeah, but uh I don't know, just just crazy stuff to see. Um yeah, five that's, games I think I would have expected more, but
2: Yeah. I didn't I didn't know what the suspension was, so you saying five games felt very short for I don't know. Like right? I just can't I can't imagine that if I bit somebody at work that they would let me come back after two after weeks. <laughs> five days, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I don't know, that's interesting. It, gross disgusting please don't do that again um but a little bit less gross uh but equally as heated or I mentioned already Artemi Panarin threw his glove across the across the way at Brad Marchand um again I I'm not a fan of any Boston team and I'm not a fan of Brad in particular Uh, Jenna what do you make of that situation because they're obviously they're two pretty prolific players in the league and they they got into it
1: that gif was incredible I had that I (laughs) kid you not I had that on repeat for honestly the better part of the day that it happened that was Thanksgiving day no it was a Friday it was the day after Thanksgiving yeah is Thanksgiving. Um there's so much to break down in all of it too, especially AJ Molesko right in the middle of it and she's just like watching it happen and laughing. I'm like, yeah, that would be the same reaction I would have. Because mm-hmm. it's just so outrageous. Panarian like whips his glove. It feels like it's like again, I don't know if we're having like a childish theme this week, but it <laughs> feels like, you know, kids at the playground are fighting and it's like, no, I don't like and just like, you know, throwing yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I pictured it. But then Marshan was asked about it, and he said that he he told reporters that he had said, I said no one in Russia likes him. If that's what set, sets guys over the edge, then this is the softest yeah. in the well, world.
3: Because initial, initially Marshan Marge was asked about that, and I think he said something like, uh, we were just talking about Thanksgiving, like kind of playing it off. But then Panarin came out and he said, Uh, he was talking about Russia, so then I think they asked Marchand again about that. But um, I don't know. I just think, uh, like, chirping, you're supposed to get under someone's skin. But I don't know, like, well, this specifically, if it, knowing what's going on in Russia, if this maybe crosses the line a little. um, Knowing, because Panarin, he had to take time off, was it last season, Mm -hmm. just to settle everything? Because, I mean, he's been critical of Russia, worried about putting his family in danger. So for for Marchand to use that, Mm kind of scummy um i did really yeah. like um panarin's response when he was asked about it so panarin was fined five thousand dollars for the for the toss i feel like if there was someone would have said to go fund me immediately it would have been filled because yeah. marsh Marchand, not even knowing the circumstance but um his <laughs> quote was i lost 5k but thanks to the old general manager for 11.6 i'm good he makes 11.6 million a year. So yeah, to bring that perfect. up, he said, oh my "Thanks to the GM for the 11.6 million. He can afford the 5,000 dollars fine." Oh my god! They're, I love they're it. tossing the glove. <laughs> I, I I saw it came out because when we we really didn't know what he said and didn't march and say cross the line. I I thought it was interesting that so I mean players are mic'd up. There's like the mic, what um like AJ's mic. The NHL isn't allowed to use any of that and disciplinary hearings Hmm. Um, I guess that was an agreement that that's in the CBA um, something the NHLPA pushed for um, that you know if our players are going to be wearing these mics you can't ever use that against us because then uh, you know why would a player ever agree to wear a mic I guess Um, Mm. so I, I get where they're coming from but it's it's interesting I mean this was a comment about Russia and you can be I I guess everyone will have an opinion on whether that crossed the line given Panarin's situation. But I don't know if it was like a slur uh, or is the, the NHL is really going to be like, we can't listen to the mics um, because of the rule. I I just think that's interesting, but yeah. yeah. And you know what? I don't trust
2: Brad Marchand. I don't,
3: I, you know, he could, he could have said whatever the hell
2: he wanted and tried to spin that as like oh, i was just ugh, fill in the blank i just said that nobody from there's no way that that's what you said brad Marshand. i'd spare me that you were trying to tell him that nobody in russia likes him no that no he's full of it i don't i i think he lied and he probably did say something if, if not offensive then agitating more agitating than that because there no I I think that, like, Artemi Panarin is not known for that type of behavior, typically. Like, he's pretty yeah. he's pretty chill. So it for him to toss a glove, I feel like the, the circumstances would have had to have been a little bit.
3: Well, I mean, bad. what, yesterday we saw an example of a good chirp that supposed to get under someone's skin tan of t- 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 uh, um, with a crack and replying the sabers. Um it it wasn't he was he wasn't mic'd up. He's just so loud that the, the broadcast yep. mics pick it up and he said, like you effing suck, how the F did you get that deal at Because, you know Skinner probably overpaid. But uh <laughs> I love him. So, yeah, I I love that. I feel like we get something like this from Tanev a couple times a year. There is that mm-hmm. one. The sheriff the ruins. Yeah, when he wasn't even—that uh, was all lip reading. You couldn't even uh-huh. hear him. I mean, He's like, "You think you're the effing sheriff? Why, what have you played ten games? Who are you? Go back to the miners. Uh-huh. You effing suck and all this." And oh the whole time, Zucker's next to him, like, like eating it up. So um
2: oh my god he's the king of jerps yeah and Uh,
3: he doesn't have to to cross the line that was funny it's probably gonna get under skinner's skin a little bit and Um, it's true but uh yeah i don't know it's not something like the russia comment i guess um, borderline yeah
2: yeah but i i i need to get my mind off brandon tanov before i (laughs) come to you but yeah it's a crazy league, crazy world. Um, lots of things going on and
3: No soap operas just, operas just hockey. Is that what just the, the, hockey. the ad was need. remember that? It's the so NHL, fun. yeah, they had. they ran those like Facebook ads like a couple of years ago and it was like no soap operas just hockey. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really make any sense, nope. really, But then since then it feels like it's been one big soap opera. Yeah, um, yeah. See, they've so. lived
2: up to that mantra. <laughs> they've really <laughs> the skid. Oh my God. But let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks as always for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. We appreciate uh, you taking the time to hang with us. And once again, thank you, Derek for for joining us for this episode. We will see you next week for another episode of podcast on fifth Ave on Thursday. They drop every Thursday at two. If you're not subscribed already, you can do that on YouTube or wherever it is. You listen to podcasts and we will see you next week.